Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here, wherever you get your podcasts or on Patreon ad-free. My name is Kenny, his name is Finn, and Finn, we are here today to talk about uh, the latest happenings in WWE, including uh, maybe the biggest audience for a WWE segment in years. The beginning of SmackDown this week, you are referring to... Yes, the trial of the tribal chief Roman Reigns, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so even though there's not a, a, a big pay-per-view event on for us to cover, there is still obviously loads to talk about. Well, I mean, that felt pretty big, didn't it? Yeah, but you know, when, when there's a pay-per-view, it makes it a bit tougher for us because then we've got to cram everything into the one thing. So at least we've just got two shows to talk about today rather than three because uh, then, it, then it drags on to the Paraslam podcast. So it's nice to have a little bit more of a relaxed week this week before... Because when's the next one? The next one will be SummerSlam. SummerSlam, yeah, August 5th. Um, and then all in and all out. One yeah, yeah. consecutive weekends, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got a few weeks of a break. They've got SummerSlam, they've got another few weeks, and then we've got the AEW shows. So um, plenty to be getting on with. Um, but let's dive into SmackDown first. Obviously, from Madison Square Garden, like you said, they've made it a pretty big show. Um, it was built as the trial of the tribal chief, and that took up, uh, I think, thirty-seven. The first thirty-seven minutes of SmackDown on Friday, where we had 
know, Roman Reigns kind of very vexed that he was even having to give this a, a thought. Um, and then all led to obviously him pretending he was going to make Jay the tribal chief. And of course, it was a ruse. Um, and him and Solo end up attacking uh, Jimmy and Jay. But obviously, there's the big tease of Solo as well. There's the lay that everyone wanted Solo to put on. I mean, there's so much stuff in this opening segment, Finn, and I feel like everyone just played their parts so well that it's... it's I mean, I don't even think there's a, much of a critique that we can make about anything in that opening segment. They just, they nailed it. They did indeed, Kenny. I mean, what a segment. Madison Square Garden sold out in advance. I mean, the perfect location for a segment of this magnitude, as you said, it was like watched by more people than any segment in a very long time and rightly so, built up so well by Money in the Bank the previous weekend. Jimmy and Jay came out, bragged about beating Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. They were interrupted by Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa. Heyman was there as uh, the council to defend uh, the tribal chief in tribal court. Then Solo stopped Heyman from speaking, and Heyman didn't seem to be aware that that was going to happen. Uh, then Roman Reigns came out, and uh, yet he admitted that he'd been pinned at Money in the Bank, uh, but Reigns said that he was still the tribal chief. He was still a champ. Um, Reigns wanted to know who had the authority to call a tribal court when he was still a boss. So, I mean, he was trying to re-exert his authority here after that crushing defeat, historic loss the previous Saturday at Money in the Bank. Um, so the Usos then showed uh, a video of Reigns. That was their evidence against Tribal Chief. This video, the compilation of Reigns terrorizing the other Bloodline members came across as an appalling abuse of power, didn't it, Kenny? Didn't paint Roman Reigns in the in the best light. He's not going to be given a Leader of the Year award for the, for that video package. Well, exactly. I mean, you wouldn't talk to the Inside the Ropes crew like that, would you? No, for many reasons, but no, I would not. I mean, much as you'd like to. I mean, you wouldn't do that. I mean, I'd probably talk to the Power Slam people like that from time to time. <laughs> we ran, we ran different ships, Finn. We ran different ships. Well, we did do, yeah, that's it. I mean, Power Slam was run with an iron hand. There's no doubt about that. You would have hated working working for that magazine, Kenny. Believe me, you would have hated it. <laughs> Just as well it never happened. Um, so, you know, Reigns reckoned that the video showed him at his worst, you know, and he had to behave that way because it was for the betterment of all. And, like, he was the leader. He was taking one for the team and people didn't understand. He mentioned that he'd been a WrestleMania headliner before the bloodline ever came to ex- in, to existence, came into existence. He said, I, Ren said, I didn't need the bloodline. The bloodline needed me. You know, he had to bear the weight of everyone and everyone's families. And he was the one who lifted everyone up, you know, because he was just this benevolent guy and this, you know, leader who was giving people this bad medicine, Kenny, for their own good. You know, Reigns is just all about the team, not about himself. Forget about everything that was in that video. <laughs> and then the, the tone sort of changed, totally changed. And Reigns just sort of went off in this direction that was totally unexpected. And Reigns said, he, you know, he didn't want it anymore. You know, I don't want it. I don't, I don't need it. You know, I'm done. He was going to step down as the tribal chief. 
Now, people were not anticipating this, and this hush descended over Madison Square Garden, Kenny, didn't it? People were like, what's going on? We didn't yeah. see this coming. It was a great moment. And then, obviously, you've kind of got that moment where Jay, is, he's, he's kneeling down for Jay Uso, and you know he's he's a, he's about to basically pass the torch to. Him. But when he hit when that he hits that low blow, uh, you know that was when you just knew right game on. This is gonna you know more stuff's gonna happen here, and it just kept getting better and better. He did, yeah. So I mean, Reigns there he said to Jay, I mean, he was speaking to Jay throughout this because Jay, of course, was the one who dealt in that pinfall defeat at Money in the Bank. Reigns said to Jay, "I'm done with all of it. I don't want it anymore." You know, you want it to Jay, it's yours. And Reigns, he bended the knee. You know, it was he got down on both knees, presenting, he was about to present the lay to uh, to Jay. And like, like Reigns even shed a tear. I mean, he went in there for that, wouldn't say a close-up, he managed to, you know, shed a tear. I mean, imagine it was almost like the Vince thing, you know, back in 2011, it would have been, you know, when he managed to shed tears when Triple H came out and said, listen, it's over, you know, <laughs> you're through, mate. And, and Vince was like probably imagining what it would really be like when it was over. I wonder if he shed a tear last year when he thought it was over for real. <laughs> probably not. He knew he'd be back and sure enough he was. So, yeah, we had some tears there. But of course, as you said, it was a ruse. Double crossed Jay with the low blow. Jimmy was stunned, didn't know what to do. Um, you know, Jimmy then attacked Reigns. You know, Solo then came to Reigns' rescue, but then this was tension between Solo and Reigns. Then Jay resurfaced and attacked uh, Reigns and Solo, and this went on and on. There was a massive beatdown of Jimmy at ringside. They smashed him with the ring steps. It was an absolute pasting. In the end, Jimmy was stretched out, taken away in an ambulance, and we were told that Jay, you know, accompanied Jimmy in the ambulance to, wait for it, hospital. Yes, the word hospital was used. Yeah, we've got hospital used. We've had the word wrestler used recently. So they're getting some stuff through an old Vince. Um, I think the yeah, thing that some the, stuff's getting through. So, thing, I mean, it was really long, she said, but I mean, it didn't feel long, did it? No, I think also because nothing else on the show felt like it was going to be anywhere near this level of what this was. So, why shorten it to. You know, to, to give us more of other stuff that we don't want as much as this. You know, so I I, I don't think it dragged at all. Um, and no. the thing that struck me was I always think it's a it's a testament when you know whether it's a match in wrestling like Osprey and Omega, for example, at Forbidden Door, or whether it's a segment like this. I I find that when you see people who don't usually enjoy the type of thing that's being praised, even they're praising it, you know, it's kind of transcended people who would usually watch it or enjoy it. And I feel like this Bloodline segment. A lot of people who I wouldn't usually see, given it as much juice as we normally would, because we obviously really and think it's think it's great and really enjoy it. I'm seeing it get more plaudits, so I was happy to see that. And then the ratings, obviously, uh, more than than bore that out uh, when they came out yesterday. So I think at, at its peak, over three million viewers on SmackDown Friday, which is. Uh, over 1.2 million in 18 to 49, which is a wild number in 2023. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, another uh, overall drew over two and a half million viewers for the second week running. 
Uh, but you're right, yeah, the majority of people watch this opening segment and understandably so because it's been built up so well all week and, you know, from the pin, you know, historic pinfall that Jay had, you know, uh, scored on Reigns at Money in the Bank. And, um, I mean, in a way, it wasn't really a surprise how it ended, but I thought the way that they handled the part where Reigns was like, that's it, I'm through, I've had enough, I don't need it anymore. He brought up his daughter who's backstage and, um, you know, my family doesn't need this. I've got five kids, you know, I've had enough. And, um, you know, then just, you know, it's all it's all a ruse. It's all designed to trick Jimmy and Jay. And, um, yeah, I thought it was very well done. Even though it was so long, it didn't feel like there was anything in there that was unnecessary. It felt yeah. like every part of it was needed. Um, and every part of it sort of was paced um, pretty much perfectly, I felt. So, um, and then we yeah. did. We should, we should mention we did have obviously at the end of the night we had Roman sort of coming back because he'd, he'd been told Jay was back. Roman comes out, the Usos music hits, and then uh, Jay Uso comes through the crowd. Which you know, could that be a kind of you know a bit of a di- bit of disrespect to Roman who back in the day used to come through the crowds? I don't know. Maybe that's me looking around it. But um, he comes in. He he wants to get to Roman. Roman gets out of dodge. So Jay ends up smashing Solo with a chair like 10 times obviously because Solo held Jay earlier in the night against the ropes so he had to watch his brother getting destroyed um, and Jay said that he's going to be the, the judge, jury and executioner of this trial and um, he's challenging him one-on-one because he wants to whip his ass so I mean the SummerSlam challenge is down gotta believe Roman's going to accept and uh, yeah I thought this I thought the I thought the end segment was really good as well because it wasn't very long. I don't think we could have. I don't think another long segment would have worked. So I think having it be short and impactful was a good call. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it didn't need to be any longer than it was at the end. Um, I mean, they did all the business in that first thirty-seven minutes, and everything was set up you know beautifully for the main event. And Jay needed his revenge or, or partial revenge at least, you know, to avenge what had happened to his twin brother you know, and to salvage some dignity and self-respect after they'd been beaten up so badly in the opening segment, smashed Reigns with the chair, Reigns fled, and then Solo took a paste in. And, of course, Reigns didn't respond to Jay's challenge, nor should he have done on the show. Um, I mean, maybe we'll get an answer this Friday on SmackDown. Maybe they'll leave it until until the SmackDown after. I mean, there's no rush. We all know it's coming. We all know it's going to be Jay Reigns at SummerSlam. And so it should be. Um, you don't need to rush the answer. You know, just let the story play out. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, um, you know, Reigns, and this is the best storyline in wrestling. This is the best storyline in wrestling in years. Yeah, 100%, I agree. It's, it's. I mean, because I, I see some people kind of go, I think people are kind of hesitant to say it's the best storyline ever because obviously you can't really set the to storylines ended, right? Because it does for some reason fall off a cliff which I don't think it will you know then you know you you kind of have to backtrack but I mean it's in the running for best storyline ever in terms of how long it's been going the twists and turns and yeah just epic Um, yeah I mean you just think of all the people who who, you know who have been picked up and and become bigger stars as a result of this I mean where would Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens be now if they hadn't been involved with the bloodline either as a member or you know honorary member opponent and then Owens and Zayn becoming tag champs 
you know, Jimmy and Jay had been in WWE for years and never, I mean, they were a good team, good act, but I mean, until they became part of the bloodline, they were never like major stars and they are now and have been for a long time. Um, You know, this has been a great way of introducing Solo. It's been a huge renaissance for Paul Heyman. I mean, Roman Reigns. I mean, I actually, I went back and watched the TLC match, Kenny, between right. um, Reigns and Baron Corbin. I just like, <laughs> did this really happen? And I went back and watched it. And it's worth watching the ending of that match because it's like Roman Reigns, it's like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. I mean, might as well be someone else in there other than the Roman Reigns we see now. And the transformation with Reigns is just uncanny. So, I mean, I don't know whether this is the greatest storyline ever. I mean, you know, Austin McMahon ran and ran, didn't it? And was just tremendous at the time because it was so groundbreaking and novel and just turned WWF from, you know, a company where it was obviously doing well. But I mean, it just, you know, it just WWF was on fire with that, basically fueling, you know, powering the engine and powering the vehicle and power in the company. Um, so I don't know if it's the greatest ever, but it's not far off. And to your, to your point about Austin McMahon, that also raised people up like Mick Foley and The Rock as, yeah. as part of it as well. So I think that ha- if you're going to talk about greatest storylines ever, we you know it probably should be in consideration of the per- people in the periphery and how they, you know, the NWO was a great angle, but I mean, in reality, long term, w- would it be in there? I mean, the, the turn is obviously... I, thought it was one of the best turns of all time. I know you've said that Hogan turn at Bash at the Beach. I mean, but that's a, it's a whole other discussion we could get into the greatest storylines another time. But um Yeah, it is. And you know, you go back and look at the NWO, it's like, well, how many people really benefited from that? Yeah. And like, yeah, it carried the company from ninety six through to, you know, mid ninety eight, even late ninety eight really. Um, I mean into ninety nine before things completely fell apart. But and it sold a lot of T-shirts, you know, and it was undeniably a huge success. But I think that was different to this. Well, speaking of well, a storyline that's probably not going to be in contention for the greatest storyline of all time is AJ Styles and Karrion Cross. <laughs> but AJ Styles. <laughs> what a segue there. Um, AJ destroyed Karrion Cross here in under three minutes. Um, I mean... I don't want to say I don't want to say all hope is lost for Karen Cross, but I think it all is. Hope is all hope is lost. Just you know, I mean, I, I say this with no sort of like glee or happiness. I think the best thing they could do is let the guy go, like let him I, go and go and work somewhere else. What's yeah. the upside to keep him? There is none, and Scarlett hasn't got gotten over either. She should have done, but she hasn't, and it just she's just means nothing, and um, and neither does he. Um, yeah, well, I think one minute 46 this match lasted. Uh, AJ Styles won with a phenomenal phenomenal forearm. Um, yeah, I think that just should be it for Cross. Um, I it mean, is... the only thing he can really be now is, you know, he's like a comedy character. I mean, that's the only way forward for him. I mean, no one's going to be able to take him seriously again. So, yeah. It's and funny, he never... You... Sorry, Kenny. Sorry, no, you mentioned Scarlett, and I thought it was interesting you brought her up because I was thinking about it. And I think sometimes... What WWE are guilty of doing is kind of hoping for the sable effect with some women, where it's just, you know, they're, they're attractive and there's not really much else going on. And I think she's kind of suffered from that fate where she's not really brought anything else to the table or 
been in a position where she could. So I think, you know, we're long gone in the days where you can just be really attractive and get over. Like there needs to be more, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she's she's spoken very, you know, infrequently. I mean, she can talk really well and I'm not sure why she doesn't say more on TV, but it, it doesn't matter now because it's over. And um, I think WWE, given the way in which this match was laid out, the ease with which Styles won, surely this is the message from WWE to the world and to Cross that we have given up on you. You know, we might see your main event every few weeks, (laughs) but you're not going to matter on any level or receive any sort of push or investment from the company. And, you know, they tried with him. Okay, that first go-around didn't work, uh, but they did try with him last year when they brought him back. And um, he's never gotten over. It's just never happened. And if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah, 100%. Um, Elsewhere on SmackDown, we did have uh, Edge of the guest on the Grayson Waller effect, which actually led to, you know, Edge having this kind of nostalgia chat about Madison Square Garden, because obviously his first pay-per-view was SummerSlam 98, where he teamed with Sable against Mark Meadow and Jacqueline. He actually did mention their names. Um, And... Anyway, it all led to Edge basically saying that he's going to face Waller later in the show. They had a match that went like 15 minutes and Edge was victorious. So I have saw some people kind of saying, because Edge's whole thing before the match was you're going to either sink or swim. That was his verbiage. And then after the match, he got the mic and said, you swam and walked off. Do you think Grayson Waller, did he get something out of kind of having this match with Edge and even though he was in the losing end? Was it an enhancer for him to be in there with Edge? How did you feel about how it was laid out? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about it was the finish. Um, And um, Edge had worked on Waller's ribs, and the finish was that Waller did his rolling or somersault stun or whatever they're calling it, um, and Edge intercepted it with a spear. um, And then there was this pause before Edge covered Waller. And I was having, like, Triple H, you know, Booker T flashbacks. And um, I don't know why he did that. And he did, and he paused, and then he covered Waller and made uh, got the one, two, three. And then, as you said, he took the mic and said, hey, Waller, hey, Waller, you swam. So as if to endorse him. Um, you know, and I've got to say, Edge did endorse Damien Priest, remember, back in early 2022, I think it was, wasn't it? He was? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. yeah, and Priest is doing really well now. So uh, I'm not saying there's any connection between that endorsement and Priest's recent success. Um, but I thought Waller did okay, yeah, here. I thought, I thought, I mean, Edge is in a strange position. It feels to me like, I mean, he still can go. He's still in, he's in some ways in the best physically, he's in the best shape he's ever been in. But he just feels to me like, I mean, you, you know, he's still got it in the ring, but there's something about him that just doesn't appeal to me anymore. He just feels like, He's done everything and it's there's not really now he's just kind of killing time before he retires because he's not going to have that big match with Roman because that happened back in 21, didn't it? Yes. The big, yeah, 21. I mean, he's had the, the matches with Rollins, so they're not going to wrestle. He did the heel turn and that was a massive flop because people didn't want to boo him. Then he turned emergency, emergency baby face. 
So, I mean, people do seem to enjoy seeing him, but I'm not really sure what else he adds to the product. It's like, okay, yeah, it was it was a good little match there. And I think Waller did gain something from it. But it's almost like Edge's win over Finn Balor at Hell in a Cell it was a good match. You know, it was entertaining. But, like, why did Edge win? It should have been Balor who won that match. So I don't really know... It's like a guy who just sort of drops in and, yeah, he still looks good and he can still go in the ring, but I'm not really sure what he contributes in a hugely meaningful way. I think part of the reason for this is that I remember how good Edge was in his prime back in like 2006, 2007, even into 2008, where everyone he worked with got over as a result. And I I don't think he really has that magic touch anymore. Um, I think part of the reason why is because... I think he's a different. I think he's a different character now. Like he's yeah, he's, probably he's, right. He's actor edge. You know, he's like every time he's in a feud, he does these really long promos that don't really work. And people, it's like you say, like before he used to be so good at whoever he worked with would get over because he was he was a kind of fun character. Even if he was a heel, he was a heel that you could laugh at. Or and then if he was a babyface, you could laugh with him. He was always quite light-hearted and i feel like he's became very serious in this run I yes mean, that is it that is it and i, I mean i think that the yes yes yeah, anyway yeah it's like it's like you can't poke fun at edge anymore and that was a huge part of his appeal wasn't it mm-hmm. that you know he did have a sense of humor and it was it was really funny wasn't it in various ways throughout the 2000s you know, with Edge and Christian and in a different way as the Radar Superstar. But now, yeah, he just seems like this guy, you know, don't say that, don't mock me. <laughs> I'm not here to be ridiculed. You almost get that vibe from him, don't you? Yeah, you do. And it's because, like, I mean, as a, and this should not be the match that I'm using as an example, but, like, one of my favourite feuds and matches he's had in his return run was him and Beth against Miz and Maurice because it was fun. At least it was fun. Like the match wasn't anything that you're going to remember, but the feud was quite fun. And I think yeah, that's the thing. Whenever Edge was a babyface before in the past, he would still be fun. You know, the, the thing with Kurt Angle in 2002, where he's got the cue cards. Uh, later on, when he was facing like Dolph Ziggler, he was still funny. Like he he was always quite comedic, no matter whether he was babyface or babyface or heel. And I just think that's not there anymore. And I think people want to have fun with Edge. That's, yeah, it's kind of what you want to do. But um, someone who we wanted to have fun with on Friday night, Finn, and we did not get to, was LA Knight. He was on. He was in Madison Square Garden, and he did do a segment right before the show, which was later released on the digital channel, which has now got, I think, at last check, over three million views. Wow! Where, where he defeated? Well, he did defeat. Sorry, he he uh, he came out to rebut uh, Hit Row. Um. Oh, sorry, 1.2 million, not 3 million. 1.2, it was over a million. 1.2 million uh, views he's got for beating up Hit Row. I mean, to me, that should have been on, on the TV show. Like, just have him come out. I mean, because the thing is, if you watch the segment on the WWE's YouTube channel, he gets a monster reception. And I just don't quite know why we couldn't have got it on the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, agreed. And can I just say, Kenny, you'll you'll make a wrestling promoter yet with that exaggeration of reviewing <laughs> figures. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm good. I'm going to defend myself and say I think it's because I keep saying three million about the SmackDown number. That's my defense, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like it's not the end of the world. People can watch it. Lots of people watch WWE online, don't they? And like, it's just gonna. I think, you know, encourage more people to support this guy. And in some ways, when it seems like the company isn't really pushing you as much as they should, you know, that can be an incentive for people to, you know, write to WWE to tweet or just get in touch with WWE in whatever way they want to just urge them to push this man, you know, when he appears on TV for people to cheer him even louder when he does appear on TV and he does get a segment that's broadcast because people, you know, more, you know, behind him and just sort of feeling like we need to, you know, we need to almost sort of campaign to make sure that the company uses this guy to the best of his abilities. So in some ways it can actually be beneficial. So I think Knight's going to be okay, you know, and I would have liked him to, to win the money in the bank briefcase in a sense. But I, I'm actually now, the more I see of it, I think maybe it was the right decision for Damien Priest to win because this story does seem interesting. And it's got a lot of legs. I think they can do so much with it. Uh, I think there's going to be huge surprise down the line with Priest. And, um, you know, which I think is going to be great for him and WWE. And um, so, um, yeah, I think Knight's going to be okay. And, um, yeah, I'd like to see... I'd like to see him do something with Austin Theory. I think those two could work together really well. I mean, Austin Theory uh, beat Sheamus on SmackDown and they were in a tough spot because they came out after the Jimmy and Jay Roman and Solo segment, which yeah. was like, you know, took us on an emotional roller coaster and was like, you know, pretty damn epic. So they were in a tough spot there following that, but they got the fans into the match, Sheamus and Theory. And it was good action. Um, and Theory won with a uh, flute roll-up after Pretty Deadly came out and distracted Sheamus. But I think, yeah, Theory and LA Knight, I think that could be that could be really good for both Theory and for Knight as well. Yeah, that should be the SummerSlam match for sure. Listen, you, speaking of the Judgment Day, let's move on to Raw because there was lots of Judgment Day things on the show last night. Um, obviously, we had um, Rhea Ripley... Uh, and Dominic Mysterio trying to kind of say there's nothing wrong, Evan's fine, you know, mind your own business. And Finn Balor was not happy. He wanted to basically fight Priest and Rhea's having to calm him down. Um, 
And then later on backstage, we've got a segment with uh, Priest and Balor where they kind of made up and they said, we're going to have a fresh start. It's all going to be fine. Uh, Balor said, we'll we'll have a fresh start. One condition that I get Seth Rollins. And uh, because Priest also said, I would never have cashed in on you. Not what I would have done. And Priest agreed with Balor and said, yeah, absolutely. Seth's all yours. And then he said, you know, and if it doesn't work, I've got the briefcase, so we're covered either way. And he walks off, and Finn wasn't too happy at that backup plan of Priest's Finn. No, he wasn't. I mean, what are you saying? That I'm not up to the job? And, uh, you know, that was the message that, you know, it was like a, you know, backhanded compliment, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, mm, you know, I thought you were my friend. I thought you believed in me. And now you just told me you don't. So, yeah, Finn Balor opened the show and said, you know, he was really unhappy with the way things had gone down with Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. You know, it's problematic because of the way Damien Priest um, had behaved in coming out. And, you know, basically Priest cost him the title, said Balor. And then Rhea and Dominic arrived and uh, there was all this tension. And Rhea saying, listen, you've got to sort this out. And then there's a conversation, as you said, backstage later between Balor and Priest. And they appeared to you know, resolve their differences until Priest made that comment. Well, whatever happens, you know, I've got the briefcase, so I've got it covered. But that did lead to a six-man match in the main event, Kenny. And Judgment Day needed a win in that match, didn't they? And they got it. Yeah, they needed the win. Uh, obviously, Sami Zayn was the one who took the loss here. But the bigger story is Judgment Day. That's weird to do. I thought they, they had a good kind of story, story arc throughout the night. You know, at the beginning of the show, Balor coming out. To basically want to fight Priest, Rhea trying to calm it down, then them kind of making up, then Rollins and Mysterio about to have their match, and then everybody coming out and turning it into the the main event uh, six man. So I thought they it was a good kind of thing to keep us going throughout the show, wondering what would happen. But they did get the big win, and then afterwards, Balor and Priest they kind of glared at each other, but then they did eventually smile and hug and. All seems to be okay, and then Cody Gray has actually warned that uh, NXT NXT will be uh, preparing for Judgment Day because they're coming tonight. So, yes. um, what are they? What are they doing on NXT? I've not seen this. Are they coming? To, are they? They're, they're having a match with the champions. Is that what it is? Um, I don't think it's been announced. They just they're just going there, and okay. they're gonna. You know, just I mean, this is the thing now. We've got more of that joined up booking, haven't we? Where we've got people from the main roster dropping in. Um, on a regular basis. And I've um, got to say, I thought Baron Corbin did a really good job there against Trick Williams um, and against um, Ilya and against Carmelo Hayes. And Mustafa Ali's been doing some stuff there. You know, Dana Brooks been there. Kenny, I know your favourite. I know you've always been a big fan <laughs> of Dana. Well, she's <laughs> dropped in in NXT and, you know, sharing, you know, the benefit of her experience with the, those with less experience. Um, but yeah, Judgment Day going there tonight. And I think it's just all part of, you know, just connecting the whole thing, which is what they should be doing. And if people are not productive on the main roster, or if people, even if people are, you know, why not send them to NXT to lend a hand? Um, and I think it's working really well for NXT at the moment. But yeah, back on Raw, yeah, it's, it felt like, you know, there was tension bubbling under the surface there between Balor and Priest. And that did appear to be, you know, squashed after they scored the win in the main event. You know, Dominic, Damian Priest, Finn Balor versus Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. And I thought Dominic actually had a really good match here. He he did far more than I expected. 
and um, you know, did, took some amazing bumps and was just running around all over the place. And I was in position most of the time. I thought he had a really good match, actually, did Dominic. Yeah, no, he he did well. He's uh he's really coming into his own more and more with uh with with the character in the ring as well. And um, I did want to give a, a shout out to to Corey Graves because he did something that really tickled me. Where it was during the Tommaso Champa Miz anything goes no DQ match, and on commentary, Graves is trying to describe what the match is, and he said, "You know, it's you can win by pinfall, you win by submission, count out." Kevin, help me! I'm dying. What's what am I trying to say? Kevin Patrick's like it's an anything ghost match. <laughs> oh, it really tickled me because you know they're in like I think they were in hour three by that point. So you know, this is you got a lot you got to be getting across. So I really, it really, I really appreciated just that moment of him, moment of him genuinely having a bit of a brain fart and not really knowing what to do. It was funny, wasn't it? Because it just all started going wrong. And, um, you know, this happens on podcasts, as people will be aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, this happens every week to me and you, doesn't it, Kenny? <laughs> yep. well, you just think, right, I know what I'm going to say, and these are the words I'm going to use. And then you say them, and it doesn't make any sense. You're like, oh, no. no I've got to keep talking. I've just got to keep talking. <laughs> but, yeah, that was really funny. And Kevin Patrick was amused by it. And yeah, anything, you know, everything goes, I think uh, Kevin Patrick said. So, uh, but, I mean, Miz, uh, Champa, no DQ. You know, I mean, the Miz has been sort of, it felt like yesterday's man, hasn't he, recently? Uh, but this was a bit of a comeback for him. I felt this no DQ match in which anything went, Kenny. No countouts, no DQs. No, yeah. And then and, and Bronson Reed actually came in and kind of saved the day for Miz, uh, helping him defeat Tommaso Champa. And apparently, the Miz's first victory in 2023. I can so. I can well believe it. Yeah, I can well believe it. It seemed that Champa had it won with an air raid crash through a table yeah. and um, he covered Miz. Miz was you know, dead to the world. And then Bronson Reed suddenly appeared, dragged Champa off, pasted him, nailed him with the tsunami, and then Miz won. So, yeah. um, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Reed and Miz, you know, as this team who just wear these crazy suits every week i mean i just want to see bronson reed bronson reed's suit collection that's what i want to see well you know, I mean, you, talk, I, you, you talked earlier about, about edge and how he used to you know envy who he worked with would get over well mez is the guy that if you put somebody with him the guy tends to go over so hopefully that's what happens with reed through their flashy fashion and all <laughs> that's it I mean, I'd love to see, you know, some segments, you know, read, you know, the, the Miz, uh, what's he called? Miz, Ma, Ma Miz, that's the mansion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Ma, yeah, is it Ma, yeah. Ma Miz, or, the mansion, yeah. he could be going yeah. there, you know, Miz could be showing him round, you know, gosh, suit shopping, car shopping. I think something like that would be really funny. Because, I mean, Reed, I think, does have a sense of humour and good comic timing. And I think this could be really good for his career. And he can just be there, like he can be out on the you know veranda or whatever, and living the high life. You know, now that he's you know aligned with the Miz, you know the good times are gonna roll. <laughs> um, elsewhere on Raw, though, we did get the the face off between Ricochet and Logan Paul, um, where they kind of used what Logan Paul had said in his podcast. Uh, and kind of brought that into it. Um, they had a back and forth, and it ended with uh, Ricochet doing one of those great kind of dives to, to stand up outside. I know he did an NXT once. 
Um, and then Logan Paul tried to do his uh, knockout punch a couple of times, but Ricochet sort of laid him out. Uh, this is a big night for Ricochet, you know, in terms of him doing a full promo on Raw. Uh, how did he do and did bringing in the kind of worked shoot element of the Money in the Bank stuff work for you? Yeah, I thought I thought it did well. I mean, I, I thought Logan Paul was the star of the segment. I thought he did really well here, just feeding Ricochet because there's something rather bland about Ricochet's character. I think he is likable. I mean, I I mean, we we know he's amazingly talented in the ring, and he can talk, but the characters there's just a you know element of like it's just slightly insipid. You know, there's just something rather flavorless about the ricochet character so i thought paul as a heel you know fed ricochet all the lines you know just said listen you're not in my league you know i don't need you I don't, i've got nothing to prove against you and he made it out like i'm not interested in wrestling you ricochet because you're beneath me that was the whole thrust of what paul was saying yeah and then Ricochet did this amazing like somersault flip to the floor like i mean because You've been at ringside enough times, Kenny. And it, I, it, I remember the very first time I went to a WWF show, it would have been WWF. I was thinking, wow, that ring's really high up. No wonder no one ever falls out and flies to the floor because no one did topes and stuff like that back in those days in WWF, back in <laughs> one when I first on live. You know, everyone, everything pretty much stayed in the ring. There's some stuff at ringside, but mostly it was in the ring and very, very few dives to the floor. Uh-huh. Um, but it's really high up, isn't it, the ring? Yeah. It's deceptively high. It is. And Ricochet just did this effortless dive to the floor. And, um, you know, and then Paul was just going to walk off. Then he spun around and tried to punch him twice. And Ricochet ducked. And then Ricochet laid him out with sliced bread. And um, I thought it it was handled pretty much perfectly uh, by Paul. And um, he really, I thought, Gave Ricochet a lot here, made him shine. I don't doubt that Paul, you know, will get his revenge and leave Ricochet laying at some point. But clearly this is going to lead to a match at SummerSlam, which is going to be Ricochet's biggest match, biggest career match by a mile, isn't it? Let's be honest. So this is huge for Ricochet. So, you know, good for for Logan Paul uh, for agreeing to do this for him, for, you know, Ricochet, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of the guy. I think he's absolutely tremendous, but he's a mid-level player, isn't he? He's not a top guy. Yeah, he is. And, you know, I think with, with this, he did well. I don't think he's in running for promo, promo, promo of the year, easy for me to say, but like, I think he did well. And I think obviously he's going to lose this match to Logan Paul, but this is all about him putting forward his case of here's what I can do. Here's, you know, if you give me the chance, I can do this. And I think for a first proper goal, I think he did pretty well overall. And because um, Logan Paul is a, a very good performer, he's it's very easy for him to talk trash and stuff. So the fact that Ricochet was kind of able to keep up with them and have the fans kind of chatting for Ricochet at the end is 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 a, a testament. He should be very happy with how that went. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Paul just, you know, sacrificed himself here to put the mid-level guy over. And as you said, it seems pretty obvious that Paul's going to win this one. But it, that's not really that important. What is important is that they have a hell of a match, which I think they will. They have that huge 
inventive, innovative, high sport, and I'm sure they'll come up with something original. Hopefully, they won't hurt themselves in the process of executing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it really helps Ricochet. Uh, but he's got to do something with that character. WWE's got to recognize this, and they've got to do something with that character because it's, you know, it's just there's not there's there's not enough oomph, there's not enough welling, mm-hmm. there's not enough flavor to this character. It needs more. Yes, but I think I mean in terms of what I was expecting for the Ricochet Logan Paul segment, it exceeded my expectations, which I think is a good sign for uh, for where it's going to go. And yes, I agree. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to do a great job at SummerSlam. Um, elsewhere in the show, a couple other things. We did have, a, the, I thought the Alpha Academy graduation thing for Maxime Dupree was a riot. And there was little touches that I think are, were really clever. Like, so Maxime Dupree's got the, you know, the pink gown on, the pink hat. And later when Chad wants to give her a varsity jacket, she takes off the hat and it says Alpha Queen on it. And then when she takes her robe off, she's got like a, a bodysuit that says shush on it. Just all little touches that were, you know, gradually revealed that uh, I thought were clever. And obviously Valhalla and the Viking Raiders end up attacking, so we're going to get a match again. But um, I, th- I liked it. I thought that the fans were into it. And uh, I, li- I liked how Maxie was saying, you know, we did her speech saying, you know, Chad, I used to think you were just an ugly little troll, but I realised you're so much more than that. <laughs> just calls it like her friend. <laughs> 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 Very good. <laughs> Chad's like, what? And then it's like, but now I realise you, you've know, been a great mentor and even a friend. And Chad's like, you know, re, he's re- deflated and then he was reinflated, wasn't he? It's like, yes. You know, we've got like Otis there as Chris Farley. I mean, that's just, you know, Chris Farley's reincarnated as Otis. Yeah. And he's just like doing all that ridiculous stuff that he does. I think there was, wasn't there like a famous Saturday Night Live sketch where Chris Farley... Valley and uh, was it Patrick Swayze? We're doing like a Chip and Tails routine. Yes, something like that. Yeah, and Farley was there, you know, because he was overweight, and obviously Swayze back then was like really ripped, and you know, it's like Otis just reminds me of Farley for some reason, and um, and the Viking Raiders inevitably interrupted, and Valhalla pillaged Maxine's varsity jacket. So I mean, if I mean the stakes, the stakes are pretty high. I mean, you know, she's stolen that jacket and Maxine's going to want it back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not it's not groundbreaking stuff. It's not, you know, the bloodline, but it's fun undercard stuff. And, like, that's what they used to do in the Attitude Era back in the day. You would have fun things throughout the show. Because I actually thought on Raw this week, there wasn't really anything that was, like, filler enough that I was bored. At any point, it was like everybody had a storyline, everybody was doing something. So, you know, even Shane and Rhonda, who God knows who's the babyface fan in this situation, but even then, they had a they had a fun brawl. Uh, after poor yeah. Emma, I mean, is Emma just destined whenever she has a WWE run to do absolutely nothing? But well, I mean, at least she's on TV, which is yeah. more than can be said for the boyfriend. Yeah, poor, poor Madcap, Madcap Moss. Um, yeah, poor guy. Even if like a decade. I mean, come back, come back, Baron Corbin's so all is forgiven. <laughs> yeah, bring bring Corbin yeah. back. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, like I mean, uh, Shana and Ra- I couldn't work out who was the who was the who was the good gal and the and the baddie here. No idea. Well, because the pro- the problem is, it's like I, the idea initially was I, we assume was meant to be that Shana was turning heel on Ronda at Money in the Bank, and then on the Raw afterwards. 
uh, Rhonda was cutting her babyface promo, but the crowd didn't see it that way. They just cheered Shayna. But then, you know, I, I mean, this week it's just it just. I think the problem is that they're actually doing really good physical stuff. I thought their little fight here at the end after Shayna beat Emma was pretty good. But the crowd have to know who they're supposed to cheer. Or there, ha- there has to be one... Because if, if the crowd don't know what to do, it's going to harm the enjoyment of, of what it is. And I hope they get it together by SummerSlam of what the role is. Because I, I think the match itself will be really fun and quite hard-hitting. But there needs to be defined roles for it to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, Shayna did great last week on Raw. I mean, she was so over, but she came out here for this match with Emma and there was, you know, the audience was, it was a muted response for her and she wasn't really interacting with the crowd and it was hard to know whether she was a face or a heel. I sense she was supposed to be a face because Emma had been heelish to her backstage. So I think she was supposed to be a face, but didn't really act like one. And then Rhonda turned up. And it felt like Ronda was the face because Shayna took the beating and then Shayna retreated. So it was like the roles were reversed from last week, which is very confusing. And someone needs to sit down and have a word with these two and say, right, this is you're the good guy. You're the goody and you're the baddie. These are your roles now, you know, and this is what you're going to do, because this is the last thing Ronda's doing in WWE. And let's try and make it a success because nothing else she's done since she returned at Royal Rumble 2022, has really been any good. So let's try and get this right. Yeah. Maybe they just need to bring Kenny to have a word with them, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I hope, they, I hope they get it together. I, actually I mean, can you imagine that? They probably just look at me and they're like, you know what, I quit. These, <laughs> these two are going to beat me up. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see it, though. I'd love to see it. Um <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I think the physicality they're doing is really good, so I hope that they can get it together with character-wise to make it pop for SummerSlam. Speaking of SummerSlam, though, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Finn, was Cody Rhodes was on this show, and he did make the challenge for SummerSlam for Brock Lesnar. And he said, that in all of our lives, we have a Brock Lesnar. You know, your, your, your tyrant boss is a Brock Lesnar. Your uh, anxiety is Brock Lesnar. But he, his Brock Lesnar is the actual Brock Lesnar. Um and uh, I mean, Cody just knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Like, has this crowd in the palm of his hands, as he does every time he does one of these promos. And um, yeah, I'm curious what the so Lesnar's going to be on Raw next week. But uh, do you want to make any final prediction before next week as to what you think the stipulation match is going to be? I know we've kind of hinted at what we might think, what we maybe think it could be. But where do you where do you plant your flag at the end? What's the match going to be? I think it's going to be last man standing. That's what I think. So, yeah, Rose said he wants the rubber match with Brock at SummerSlam. Obviously, Lesnar's going to agree to it. Um, I mean, last man standing, it's a good... I know you're not a fan of that gimmick, but it's one that when you do it, it, you can protect the loser, can't you? The loser can be protected on the finish very well. Yeah. I mean, I know it doesn't really matter with Lesnar now because he can do job after job and he's still going to be over. But, I mean, I imagine they will want to uh, look after him on the finish because you would think that Cody's going to win this one. Um, and also, if they do that, they can do something spectacular. They can go around the arena. You know, people will be remembering the the tractor um, 
um, involvement of the tractor at SummerSlam last year, won't they? So they'll be probably expecting something pretty big from Lesnar. So if they do last man standing, they can, you know, have some, you know, extras or props and, you know, really jazz it up a bit. So I'm going with last man standing. What do you think? Uh, I think, yeah, I, th- I think it probably is going to be last man standing. I did think before dog collar, but I just, I think that would probably be too restrictive for the reasons you've mentioned. So I think it probably will be last man standing. And I think the two of them are so talented that they will make, even people like me who don't really like those kind of matches, they'll, they'll win me over with with it. So I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do. And um, yeah, hopefully, because Cody did finish it by saying that he wants to be next in line. He doesn't want to be the prince yeah. forever, which is a great line. So uh, we shall see. But yeah, pretty stacked yes, shows. Yeah, can I just sort of mention as well, I thought Zoe Stark did well in the match with Becky Lynch. Yeah, she got a win over um, Becky. Yeah, that was a huge, huge night for her last night on Raw. And um, I thought she made a bit of progress in terms of crowd interaction and the audience responding to her. Uh, She had an amazing springboard dropkick. Stark scored a flute win with a roll-up after Lynch was preoccupied with Trish Stratus at ringside. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought Zoe did well here. I thought Trish had another really good night, and um, you know, huge credit to Becky Lynch for putting Zoe Stark over. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, one thing I wanted to mention as well was I actually really enjoyed the stare down with Raquel and Rhea uh, before the tag match, and thought that Raquel, when she wasn't being smiley and she was there and sort of you know standing up to Rhea with love beside her, thought it was quite good. So maybe there's hope yet for Raquel. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's going to be the SummerSlam match, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, if I was Liv Morgan, I'd be worried because I think you're probably going to get killed in the next three weeks before uh, Raquel kind of seeks revenge. But uh, yeah, I think there was there's definitely some some optimism after the the interaction. So lots going on, and um, we will be back on Thursday to cover uh, the news and anything else that's been happening. Obviously, by Thursday, we will know who the Fifth members are in the Blood and Guts match for AEW, so we'll talk about that and see who, see if the mystery people are uh, a worthy mystery. Um, we'll see. Um, and there'll be plenty of news, as yes. always. So, um, But you can pre-order issue 35 of Inside the Ropes magazine. Finn has been behind that excellent cover that you can see at InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. Uh, loads and loads of stuff in that issue. I've been doing some some of the proofreading for stuff. We've got some great stuff in there. Keith Elliott Greenberg did a a great four-page obituary on his friend Iron Sheik, so that's really interesting. Loads of stuff, stuff I didn't know about Sheik from his sort of pre-WWF days. I think it's a really interesting read. Finn's covering Money in the Bank. I spoke to Bailey. There's loads of stuff, so hope people will check it out. Please do. Yeah, the magazine goes on sale on July twenty-seventh. Yes, and as always, Patreon is where you can get more of me and Finn. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. Uh, every every week we do an overrun. Often we take your questions. So it's a good place to kind of directly speak to us and make sure that if you've got something you want to ask us, we will definitely get to it on Patreon. So I want to thank you for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.